greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus tonight. Thank you for coming. I appreciate it. And you may be seated. May the Lord richly bless you. Tonight, I would like to speak about this word, Lord, and slow down a little bit so I can cover it the best I can. But before I do that, I would like to talk a little bit about this plant, this Okatia plant. There it is. There's one to the left or the right of that that's the full plant. I wanted to do this before I got started. Go to the, there's another picture that's the, okay. And we'll come back to that one. So when we went out to Mike Yarbrough's funeral, which is Patty's brother, we went to the Yarbrough's house and I was standing out front and I thought I better get a picture of that because I'm not always in Tucson. So that is Okatia. You can see that the front yard there, this is in the Catalina foothills, pretty nice area. But you can see the front yard is gravel. That's pretty common. But that plant is what the crown of thorns was made out of. I didn't know if anybody knew that or not, but that's what it was made out of. And now it looks pretty nice, so we'll go to the, back to the other picture and give a little more detail of how that was done. It's pretty interesting. So when the plant is green, as you saw it there, you can cut a branch, and it would be somewhat malleable. If you wore big, heavy leather gloves, just go to the, yeah, like that. If you wore big, heavy leather gloves, even when it's green, you might not get poked too many times. And, and the plant branch would be somewhat malleable when it's green. And that's how they did it. Now, this only grows two places on earth. The Sonoran Desert, which is where Tucson is, and Jerusalem. Because they're on opposite sides of the earth and they have similar climates. And so, you can imagine that they cut that down and they worked it into a crown and then after it dries in the hot sun or just dries being separated from the plant, it's very tough. And it would just be like having Singer sewing machine needles on your head, a couple hundred of them. So it's very, very harsh. And whether they, plant, whether they pushed it on his head or just rested it wouldn't have mattered because any movement, if they just placed it, any movement he made at all, eyebrows, anything moved at all, take a step, raise your hand, anything would just cause it to lodge farther down and farther down, and it wouldn't break the points. If you jammed it in, you might break some of them. And it's pretty effective. So I just thought I would share that with you, that evil man, sinful man with the wrong ideas took the very plant created by the Prince of Peace and took the Prince of Peace and made a custom-fit crown that he bore on the cross for our sins. And he could have called 10,000 angels, as the song said, to destroy the world and set him free. But he died alone for you and me. 
and I appreciate it. And that's what I want to talk about tonight is our Lord. And I just love him. I love to talk about him. Let's pray before we start into our text tonight. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we ask you that you would come and help us now as we open the Scripture and read it, for it is divine. We ask that you would place it. Help me, Father, as I try to make this somewhat useful to the people. And I ask tonight that you would come and heal every sick person, meet every need in this building tonight, for you promised that you would do it, and we believe it. In Jesus Christ's holy name, amen. So tonight I would like to read from Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, and we will read from the first verse of Deuteronomy 6 to the 16th verse, and that's quite a bit of background, but I think it'll be helpful, and I'll go as fast as I can. Now these are the commandments, the statues, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you that ye might do them in the land whither ye, ye go to possess it. And then there's a colon, which means the rest of it now follows. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son all the days of thy life and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord." And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children and shalt talk of them when thou, when thou sittest in thy house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou rise up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God sh shall have brought thee into the land which I swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and the houses full of all good things which, which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, and vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not. And when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage. 
Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. Ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee off the face of the earth. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him in Massa. And for a text tonight, I would like to use the fourth verse. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, our God, is one Lord. And I'd like to call this, if I could, I love him because he first loved me. And the I there is whosoever will. It's not me. And Charity, can I get up there, John 3.16? And I would like to have John 3.16 up here, and I'd like to call it tonight, just for tonight, the wheel in the middle of the wheel. And let everything, when it gets up there, go around that verse, because it's key. Now, when I, li- when I read these words, before I get into actually the word Lord, because that's where I want to go with this, when I read these words and I find here it says, hear, and I'd like to take these words one at a time in verse 4. Hear, and I don't think that that is a casual hearing. I don't think it's elevator music. I don't think it's background music or something. I believe it has to get from from God to Moses, to the people, to us, here. And it has to get down, in my opinion, to the man that runs the ship in the engine room. It doesn't do a whole lot of good if it doesn't. And I take that as a commandment. I believe that it is a commandment and not a request. There's no please there. Or do you mind? It's here. And when I read that, and I was thinking of just ways of trying to make my point, it reminds me of, in World War II, and I wasn't there, but I know I look that old, but I'm not. The, in, in World War II, the naval vessels had, a, let's just kind of build a scenario here, the men that were to board that ship received written instructions, orders they're called, <clears throat> to their place of residence, that they must, it's under order, be at a certain place at a certain time to begin to fulfill this mission, to board that ship. And they received written instructions. These are written instructions. And they were predestined, they were chosen to be individuals that had the right training, the right background, the right experience, to be aboard that vessel at that time on that mission. And so every person that boarded that ship, now it wasn't a cruise ship, it was a battleship. And every person that was aboard there had a job. There was no one aboard that ship that was just going for a ride. Everybody had a job. And actually most of them had two jobs. They had a naval trade or something that they did and then a battle station. The only ones that didn't, 
I think, would be the cooks and the engine room. Those are the two things I don't think had, had a battle station. But also aboard that ship was one captain, and he was assigned that ship and those men, and he was responsible for that ship and those men. And when he needed to address them, the crew, he would use the PA system, kind of like we have here tonight, and he would have something to say that he needed to get to the entire crew. And he would key the mic, and he would say, Now hear this. Now hear this. This is your captain speaking. And then he would go on with what he needed to say. And it may have been good news, or it may have been bad news. But every person on that ship was ordered, obligated, and trained and had to find a way to hear what he said. Because that person might be in a battlefield someday and tell you to duck, get down, and you, you have to know how to hear it and respond and act to it. And every person on that boat had to stop what they were doing and hear what he had to say. That's the cooks, the preparing the food in the galley because not, the crew couldn't eat all at one time because there wasn't enough room down there. They had to find some place that they could stop. The people in the engine room where it's hot, really hot and, and dirty and noisy and sweaty and humid down there because of the bottom of the ship had to find some place under order to hear that message from the captain. That's the word here to me. And that's what we find in this scripture. I mean, this scripture, and we find it all the way through the Bible. I think, I think that's what it means. Here. Now, the next one is O, which is kind of a scolding, and I'm going to skip that for time. But the next one is Israel. This will take me just a little bit here. Israel, as we know, is a nation a small nation in, in the Middle East. We know that. And it's a miracle that it's even there. It's been around a long time, but it was scattered A.D. 70 under Titus. It didn't become a nation again until 1948, after the Holocaust, after the end of the war. And it's also the name of a man, one man. And that name, Israel, means a prince. But that's not his birth name. His birth name was Jacob, which means a trickster. And his name was changed when he wrestled with the very person I want to talk about tonight. And he either broke his hip or pulled it out of socket, but he walked different. And that's what happens. We will walk. A Christian will walk different. Somehow or other. And so, Jacob then was the father, I mean the son of Isaac, the promised son of Abraham. And Abraham means father of many nations. But that wasn't his birth name either. His real name is Abram which just means father. 
and it's open-ended, doesn't have a whole lot of meaning. There's nothing, it doesn't tie to anything. And God called Abram out. And I have to say, for no, for no reason. He had nothing to offer. He had no special education, no special training, no resume, no background. It was pure election to call God's children, including Abram. And it's kind of, I was, it was, I would like to show that, I don't know if we can get to it though, in the 1611 Bible, do you have those pictures of that genealogy? If not, I'll just talk it through. But in the genealogy, which is kind of interesting, coming down from Seth all the way down and all the way down, before you get to Abram, you get to Terah, who was an idol, a manufacturer of idols. And the first thing that our Lord had to do was call him out before he could ever fulfill or give a promise. He had to call him out. And I think that that's the first example in the Bible of being called out. I'm pretty sure it is. The second one, I think, would have been the children of Israel out of Egypt. But I think this is the first one. But he had to call him out away from that environment. And I thought it was kind of interesting where Terah is in that righteous line. And an idol worshiper, idol manufacturer, right in that righteous line. It proves, and as you read down through, it proves that it's a sovereign election. We have nothing to do with it as far as anything that we would do to make up ourselves. So that gets me down through where I wanted to go there. And then after that is where I'll spend most of the rest of my time is the next words here. The Lord, our God, is one Lord. Now, to me, and I may be wrong, but to me, the Old Testament has produced one Lord. That's really all. I've read the whole thing. I, I think it's one Lord. It's my, my, it's my opinion. And that's the deep calling. So the New Testament can only produce one Lord, not three. can only produce one. And before there can be a deep calling, there has to be a deep to respond to the call. We watched the film. There has to be a deep to respond to the call or there could never be a call. And so to me, it simplifies the Bible. It's one Lord. Now, what is it? It's simplicity. A child can understand one, and I can understand one. And that's what I think it is, is one Lord, and I want to talk about him tonight. Now, in the 1611 Bible, which I've covered before, and how it was translated into English, which to me is a miracle, I really like it, to understand it, you, the two groups met, and they said, we have this word that we don't know what to do with. And I'll write it on the board here in just a second. Would you help me with that, Patty? Would you get up and raise that? <laughs> I'm sorry. You can be my assistant. Yeah, over here and raise it up a little bit. 
And this word that, I, that's, that the, we borrowed this from Patty's school. That's good. That's good. Thank you very much. You are a good teacher. All right. This word that this, the translators did not know what to do with, it's Y-H-W-H, and it is the name of the Most High God. It's in Hebrew, and there are no vowels. Now, there may not be any vowels in any Hebrew, I don't know, but this one did not have, does not have any vowels, so it's hard to translate to English, so they didn't. They just didn't know what to do with it. So they agreed to choose another word from the English language, which was probably more broad then than it even is now. And that word that they chose was Lord, capital L-O-R-D. Now let me write this on the board. Stand by. reason I wanted to do this this way was so I could show you that this word actually covers this. They did not use this word. We wouldn't really know what to do with it in English. It's in the Hebrew. So the translator said, let's substitute it with this, which was a very common word in the English parliamentary system. Like the king of England is lord over the kingdom. It's used in their vernacular. We don't use it as much, but they do. And that's why they chose it. Nothing wrong with that word. The problem I have is I tend to overread it or read over it and miss it. You read, you read, you read, you read, you read, and pretty soon you, be, you become numb to it. And I don't want to become numb to it because of who it is. You see, it means a lot to me. And so that word covers it. Kind of interesting. Also, and then I found a rabbi that had a teaching on how to pronounce it because I didn't know how to pronounce it. There are no vowels in it. We put vowels in it and we get Jehovah, Jeshua, and a whole bunch of others, Hosea. The last four letters of Netanyahu is a derivative of that four-letter word. Now, so the rabbi said that the way it's pronounced is two consonant sounds. It's called an aspirated consonant sound. And on the inhale, you do, you say the YH. You don't say it, but you sound it. Two sounds. So on the inhale, it's like this. And on the exhale, it's like this. That's his name. And that's the first sound that a newborn baby makes when it's born. And that's the last sound that a person makes before they depart this realm. And that's it. 
That's also the breath of life. So every time you can see now that I'm in a tailspin, because every time I see this, every time somebody comes up here and reads a text, it's got the word Lord in, I guarantee you. And this is where I go every time. I just, it's just, I just keep going over and over and over with this because it's so interesting that that could be packed in and put into English so we could understand it or whatever language Bible that you need. And so it is, a, it is an aspirated sound, and it's the breath of life. Now, before I get to that, I want it takes me to David in the 23rd Psalm. And he said, the Lord leads me beside the still waters where it's quiet. And he restores my soul for his name's sake. Him. And it's quiet. There's no vocal cord in his, the pronunciation of that name. It wasn't in the, the fire and it wasn't in the lightning. It was the still, small voice. Amen. And it still is because God deals with us in our heart inwardly more than, more than outwardly. And so then it took me to... And what I'm trying to show here is God's love. That's actually my theme. I maybe should have done that a little bit better. But I'm trying to show how much love he gave to redeem the fallen state of man. And John needs to write that verse. So he's written up to the 15th verse. And then he stopped. Because he needs to write that verse in brevity. He just gets a few words. But he's got to pack it in. And so he is waiting for the inspiration because he wrote, For God so loved. And you can't define that. And so... This is also the breath of life, which he breathed on the apostles. And he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And I've always wondered, how did he do that? Did he just blow air on them? I don't think so. I think he just breathed. And they received the Holy Ghost. So another thing, too, takes me to the breath of life, which he breathed into Adam. Now... How am I doing? Breathe into Adam. Now, the Lord, the same person, I've got it covered here, but you understand what I'm saying. This same person created Adam out of the dust of the earth. what the Bible says, out of the dust of the earth. And so it wasn't mud, it was dust. And I'm going to come back to why I think it was dust in a minute. But he breathed, and that was a form. He, called, he, he formed Adam out of the dust of the earth. So it was a form. There was no life in that form. Nor would there have ever been life in that form without that breath being breathed into it. 
And that breath, the Bible said, he breathed into his nostrils, which are here. He did not breathe it into his mouth. That would be like mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, which you can save a life that way maybe. But he breathed it into his nostrils, and Adam became a living soul. And the second Adam, which I'll get to in a little bit, became a quickening spirit. Now, in the human body is moisture. And I ask you, where did that moisture come from? When he breathed into that dust, and I'll get to why I think it was dust, but in that dust, because we know our bodies were in the earth, is it possible that in that dust, the matrix or that, the chemistry in that dirt, which is right out there in that field, had a, had a hydrogen atom in it trapped that couldn't get out? All I know is he did something because dirt wouldn't ordinarily change into a living. We have a lot of stuff inside, and dirt doesn't. So could it be that there was an oxygen and a hydrogen atom in a matrix trapped? Because hydrogen's a gas. It would go into the atmosphere. But if it were trapped, it would stay there. Is it possible that there was an oxygen atom in that matrix trapped and it couldn't get out? Is it possible there were two hydrogen atoms and one hydrogen and ox- one oxygen atom trapped in that matrix? And what happened was they just rearranged what was there. It was there all the time, like the song says. He just rearranged it. Because when I accepted the Lord, I'm still the same person. I'm just older. But I'm still the same person. I think the same, walk the same, talk the same. The same. But something happened on the inside that I didn't do. And so, and, and so on with that rearrangement. Now, the and I often wondered then why would there be two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom? And did you know that the Bible, that the Old Testament is twice the content of the New Testament? I don't know what that means, but it's just it's real. And everything that was in our body, there must have been substance to make up the skeletal frame, which is harder, tougher material. And then there must have been those elements and those things in there that just rearranged and formed that man that would never die with that breath of life in it had there not been sin. And so this is what I think about when I'm sitting there in the chair and somebody's up here reading the word Lord. Now, why was it dirt, dust? So if I went out there and got some and brought it in here, you'd probably make me take it back out. Or if I track it into the house, I know I'll have to take it back out because it's base and you would never ever think that you're going to make the living soul out of dust you just wouldn't have that kind of a thought no person would ever think yeah I'm going to use dirt 
It's base. It's not really, it's just out there. You walk on it, you trample on it, you try to wash it out of your clothes, don't track it in the house. Those kind of things for the dust of the earth. But when he created, but when Christ came as a quickening spirit, but the same base, he was so humble that you would never think that that was the King of kings and Lord of lords. You could walk with him all day long, 8 to 12 hours, and he could expound to you the entire Old Testament and miss him. That's how humble he was. There was no beauty in him you'd desire him. None. He was not Elvis Presley. He was not a rock star. He was very, very humble, very quiet, meek, gentle, and easy, very easy to miss. His parents went off and left him for three days one time. And that's what I think about. I think those things because it's so great. The, what the Lord did to redeem my soul. After creating millions and millions and millions, we don't even know what's out there, but the heaven and the earth. Before he could ever get to Adam, he had to create. To, he's manifesting divine love because he is love and nothing but love. So I begin to think about the word Lord. It's not a bad word. It's just that I don't want to let myself read over it. Very important to me, it's my opinion, to not read over that word. Stop and think about it. I think that's what that word here means. It's very important to hear the words of the Lord. It helps you. That's what the purpose of it is. So I begin to wonder then, how many times is this word in the Bible? Because it seems like it's in there quite a few times. So I looked it up, and I know the number. It's 7,836. This word, Lord, which covers this word, which is him, same person all the way through, is in the Bible 7,836 times. So my thought immediately was this book is not about me. It's about him. Now, the Christian is the beneficiary of his blessing. But this book is about him. And that's all I care about. And so it's in there so many times that I begin to wonder how could he be an ever-present help in the time of trouble if he's not ever-present? But he is ever-present. That's a lot of times. And so also the Bible said that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord... the it that says, the, the King James, the Spirit of the Lord, therefore it's Spirit, and the Lord covers this, that Spirit will raise up a standard against it. And that is powerful because He is that standard. Every time. 
And so he was, I got to thinking about that, and he was Noah's cubit standard. So I finally realized today that Noah did not build that ark. God built that ark. He may have used his hands, may have used his talent to cut wood, but God, because no man, the Bible said, God told Noah that that boat would be 300 cubits long. And no man, I've worked in manufacturing all my career, could build something that long and not have a tolerance to it. Because he did not say 299 cubits. He said 300 cubits. That proves that that's divine in creation to be able, only one person could do that, and that's him. And no other. And so he was that cubit standard. He is the standard. So he also said, repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And that is the standard. There is no other standard in the Bible. Standards are things we use in manufacturing, right, Matt? We know all about, we know all about standards. He is a standard. He is the standard every time. Now, he is also the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I never really didn't know what that was growing up. Because I grew up in a Trinitarian church, I may explain that here in a minute. But he is the same yesterday, today, and forever because it's the same. It's not only unchanging, it's the same person. So it actually has a double meaning. It's the same person. Every time you read this, the Lord your God, God said, Lord said, all, every time you read that word Lord with this word under it, it is the same person, which means it's the same person that's here tonight. Amen. That same person Amen. walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. That same person talked to Abraham. Same person wrestled with Jacob and heard him. That same person calmed the storm, raised the dead, healed the sick, and raised up Lazarus from the dead. And Lazarus was a trans, not a translator. He made copies of the scrolls because they would wear out. They were on papyrus, didn't last all that long, and he would make new ones. Well, to do that, it's a very tedious job. So when you write letter for letter this way, backwards. It had to be letter perfect, and the rabbis would read it, and if there was one letter wrong, they had to reject it, which means he didn't get paid. So when they lost him, those two sisters lost him, they lost their source of income. He just happened to be their friend. So everything has a purpose. Everything has a purpose. So then I begin to wonder how many words there are in the Bible I actually didn't know. So I looked it up. It's seven hundred and eighty-three, one thirty-seven. 
There are that many words in the King James Bible. 783,137 words. Over this number is just about 100 to 1. Well, that's just simple division. That's not really that way, because, but it's a design. It is a divine placement because whenever he came in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raised a standard right where it fit. Every person aboard this ship has a def- definite role in a different Amen. place. And those words spaced throughout this Bible, those words spaced through these words in a divine placement. And I find myself going off this way a little bit, and he'll come and nudge me back in line by one of these. And I find myself going off this way, and he'll come and nudge me back this way. Now, if I take that thought and I put that into an airliner flying from point A to point B, it has an autopilot in it. It doesn't have to, but they, today they have autopilots in them. And that airplane is constantly correcting because it's flying through a moving, unstable, perilous medium. And that autopilot senses that change of direction, heading, altitude, density, temperature, and it constantly moves it because it's commanded to be on a definite course. And you cannot deviate left or right. You can't get three gods when it's one. You have to stay on that line. And that's what that airliner does by this Every time it starts to move, if you sit over the wing and look out, you can watch the ailerons move just ever so slight and kind of feel it. And the airplane's getting back on course, back on course, back on course, thousands of times every second because it's an ever-present help in the time of trouble. And it kind of all relates because that airliner is flying in a straight line, except it's not a straight line. It's a great circle route. And that arc is part of a circle, and that circle is eternity. Nobody can deny the God of this Bible. If a person's had breath in their lungs, even an atheist, they'll meet him someday. You cannot get around it. So, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same exact person. Trying to keep up here where I am. Now the Bible said that in the New Testament that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Right? The word Jesus, we've only, we didn't have the word Jesus until the 1500s. Before that it was Jeshua which is a derivative of this. And so, listen to the way that this is put into English. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus, which is actually a derivative of this, is or equals this word. It tells you right in the Bible who it is. And in another place it says Jesus is Lord. 
is, still is, always will be, equals, it's the same person. That's how he can be the same yesterday, today, and forever, and it's one. And I'm getting close to the end here. I just have one more little testimony. And that when Jesus was here on earth, manifested in flesh, I believe that he worked. And I believe he was a carpenter. And I believe his father was his father on earth was a carpenter. So he learned the trade and I believe he, he worked for a living. And probably worked with other people because it's pretty hard to work all by yourself when you have to lift something or you just don't you're not very efficient. So he probably worked with others, my guess is. And when he worked, I'm thinking he got paid in some manner. It wouldn't have been a bank account. It wouldn't have been a check, but I'm sure he got paid, and I'm sure he took it. He was a man. He worked like a man, walked like a man, talked like a man. He was a man, and yet Almighty God veiled behind that flesh. But when he worked and when he got paid, I believe he paid tithe, just like we would. And my question to myself as I prayed through this, I said, where did he pay those tithes? And first I thought, well, maybe he paid him to Melchizedek. But then I thought, no, he is Melchizedek. So he wouldn't have paid him to himself. And so he was in the temple one day, and I think I, I, think I caught something in my mind. He paid him to the priest in the temple. And the Bible said, and I'm not going to quote the verse, but the Bible said that this person that wrote this said, I never saw the righteous begging bread. And so how can that be? It is because that bread is already paid for. And those tithe that they paid to that priest went to those tithe. And I believe it went to Abraham's seed as the beneficiary of those tithe. Another example or another thing here is that when he was in there he noticed a woman a widow with two mites and he's the one that saw it and he's the one that brought it up and he knew that's all she had I don't know if the rest of them did but he did and he said she gave all that she had and he Behind his tithe was a free will offering. Because the tithe is just part of it. Behind that is a free will offering. And he gave himself as a free will offering. And there's not one thing that he could ever do that he's not already done. It's completely paid and covered. And if the musicians would come, if the musicians would come, I would like to sing a little bit of the song, The Love of God. But before that, I want to read to you the last 
verse of down from his glory. I'm just going to I'm just going to read it to you. And I hope this meant something to you. When I was Patty and I went on a cruise, we went to Scotland, one of the places and I sat at the actual desk of John Knox. And there was his desk and a window and his chair, real furniture from John Knox from the 1500s. And I sat there and I picked up that pen and I thought about that. And one day, I thought about John 3.16, I'm sorry. One day, John was sitting there and I could see him and he needs to write that 16th verse. And one day he began, I watched him and he began to shake and he began to get nervous and I said, John, what's the matter? And he said, nothing. And he picked up that pen and dipped it in that carbon ink and he began to write, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that, to me, is one of the greatest verses in the Bible, and it holds the whole thing together, at least for me. And so I'd like to, I would like to, I'm hoping that you got that this was an expression from my heart of God's love. And I don't know how willing we are to receive it. I'm sometimes confused about that. We either can't or we won't. But shame on us if we won't receive what he's already given to us because he's not doing it again and we need him so I would like to read you the last verse of down from his glory and we're not going to sing it I'll just read it without reluctance flesh and blood his substance he took the form of man revealed the hidden plan oh glorious mystery sacrifice of Calvary. And now I know thou wert the great I am. And the man that wrote this was ready to commit suicide. I think I told you the story before. And he penned these words under the inspiration. When you get all finished with this word, and you studied it and studied it and studied it, it means I am. It's the same person all the way through. Now, if if we could, let's sing. I have, to, I have to find it here. The last, let's just sing the last verse for the sake of time of the love of God after I find it. And I think C is, I think C works for that. Could we with
Lord bless you. time you're not and nothing's ever going to get any better you're never going to make it you'll never be improvement but he's a liar Amen. he's a liar our God is very real our God always lifts a standard always God, always right on time and I've shared that with you many times in my life how that it seemed like couldn't wait no longer couldn't spend any more time waiting and then somehow it was still just the perfect amount of time God knows what he's doing he is truly in control. I said that Sunday about our God reigns. There is nothing outside of his purpose, outside of his will. There's nothing he cannot do. Come on, I need to get some amens over that. There's nothing your God cannot do. This is the truth. I don't care what the liar said. Let's bow our heads tonight. Let's ask the Lord's blessing as we dismiss. Dear precious, wonderful, loving Lord and Savior, what an honor it is, Lord, to know you in this day. Lord, we're very, very blessed people, Lord, not just from the things that you provided for our physical day-by-day needs, not just for you meeting our bills, not just for you providing us with a home and a vehicle, Lord, not just that. We stand in this hour, Lord, in the opening of the word, when those mysteries have been unveiled, the, the secrets of the hidden behind those seals have been made manifest in our day, and you, the Lord Jesus, are here revealing yourself to us. Lord, we are very blessed people. We, we, we quote that all the time, that our, every prophet, every sage, every brother from years gone by would have given anything to live in this day, Lord. And that's the truth because the, it's just nothing better than what you've done for us, Lord. Don't let us let that become common. Don't let it become just a normal thing, Lord. But, but you, the supernatural God, have worked a paradox in our lives, Lord. We appreciate your mercy. We appreciate your grace, Lord. I pray that you would take these words that, that you spoke to our brother tonight, Lord, and let them find good ground. Let, let, let them be watered by your word and by your life, Lord God, and let it draw us closer to you, Lord. These are our requests. This is our desire, Lord. Have your way in each of our lives, Lord. Meet our needs. Bless our brothers and sisters, all those who couldn't make it tonight. Be with them, Lord. Encourage and help them. Bless all those that might watch the recording, Lord. I pray you give them an extra special blessing tonight. Thank you for loving us, Jesus. 
We love you so very much. We appreciate you. I pray you bring us back on Sunday with not a defeat, not a, not a downtrodden, not our hands hanging down, but with victory in our hearts, with victory in our step, knowing what you've done for us. Not by anything we've done, but what you've done for us, Lord. We accept it. We receive it. We believe it in our lives. And we give you all the glory in your beautiful and holy name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed tonight. Jesus. Jesus.